I've seen all the Scream movies in theaters except the first one. Somehow, just by sheer coincidence, I saw part two, part three, and I realized today I saw part four in theaters also. I don't know why. I don't know how. I guess I was too young to see Scream, the original one, in theaters. I've seen none of them in theaters. And uh, my, for some reason, my mom wouldn't let me see Scream, even though she's the one who got me into Nightmare on Elm Street. Hmm. She also wouldn't let me watch Forrest Gump. Apparently, I would rewind it during uh, some inappropriate scenes. Wow. And now that I rewatch Forrest Gump, I'm thinking the only inappropriate scene is when Jenny is singing naked. Well, that movie's about as wholesome as it gets, so. Yeah, so. Uh, wow. So, Scream 4 came out in 2011. Yes. For some reason, I thought 2018, but then again, that's when I first watched it. <laughs> you thought it came out three years ago? <laughs> what the hell, man? <laughs> I, you know, you can be a little bit off sometimes, but <laughs> that's seven years different. So, I mean, that's, uh, I'm a little off. Seven years is still a single number. I brought up 2011 when it came out because anytime uh, any kind of movie series has a sequel come out 10, 15 years after the last one, it usually in most cases doesn't work out well. Like, and this was not necessarily, this wasn't a reboot. This was like an actual direct sequel 11 years after Scream 3. It's a long parodying, time Parodying remakes. There was a lot of new stuff happening in the horror genre that they could actually uh, parody, basically. So that makes sense. But 11 years with the same actors, and for me at least, these main actors, they already seemed kind of tired in Scream 3. It seemed like they didn't want to be there. So actually, maybe this makes it a little more fresh now, 11 years later. Maybe they're a little more enthusiastic about the proceedings or maybe not we'll find out soon enough but came out 2011 box office wise the movie was not a hit was in and out of theaters very quickly i i, I mentioned i saw in theater it was just me and opening night me and five other people in the movie theater i bet not, you were laughing i was laughing but then i was like hey this movie ain't gonna make no money there's, <laughs> there's five people here um oh you were the only five in there it was me and five others oh I was saying it was it was opening night with six people in the theater, and I was like, "Hey, we ain't getting to Scream Five. <laughs> <laughs> and oddly enough, I'm saying that, and now ten years later, we have Scream Five. So this is like a a weird series where you have Part Three in 2000, Part Four 2011, Part Five in 2021. So you have three now, sequels actually, that are 20 years apart. Is it actually confirmed it's coming out in 2021, or is it just going to get started uh, filming? No, it's already coming out. It's coming out literally in three months. Oh, nice. They've already filmed it. The trailer's coming out sometime in the next couple weeks. Nice. Uh, Matthew Lillard is going to be in it. We don't know that. Maybe. Possibly. Because, you know, Stu is still alive, so... Because there's no way that damn TV killed him. Right. He's just been in prison. He's been in prison chilling, and now he's finally about to get paroled, so... I think. My theory. So, Scream 4. We're back to Woodsboro. It's also... Uh, probably should mention it is Wes Craven's last movie. Yeah, so Wes Craven died three years, no, four years after this movie came out. He died when he was 76, so he's probably around 71, 72 filming this. It is his last movie, and that's very interesting. I guess it's a good movie to go out on because at least it's, this is his franchise that he did, basically. But that's true, it's his last movie. I actually kind of want to watch the commentary track. He, he did a commentary track with this, apparently. Hmm. And I'm interested to listen to that because it's... I mean, I got the Blu-ray. Maybe I can check that out myself. I've seen a lot of interviews with him, but I don't remember seeing any interviews with him more recently, like before he died. When he died, I was shocked. I was like, was Wes Craven died? What the hell? It just came out of nowhere. 
Um, so it'd be interesting to get his commentaries, overall thoughts on the movie. Don't and the worry, series. I'm sure I'll be brought to tears when I hear about Robert England's passing. Don't even speak such things <laughs> into existence. The man's gonna live forever, if not in the real world, in our nightmares and dreams. If you live on Elm Street. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll we, just remember him as that alien from V. Look, if you want to see him again, it means you got to buy a house on Elm Street and just have him haunt your nightmares and be like, hey, I'm your biggest fan, as he slashes you open and kills you. I'm sure I'll wake up uh, with a seizure like I usually do when I get attacked by shadow figures. It's a good defense mechanism to have for shadowy figures coming after you in your dreams. Yeah. So uh, just click the seizure button. Damn seizure. <laughs> um, What's sad is that's not a joke. <laughs> I didn't think it was. Uh, how many shadowy figures have you been attacked by? Jesus. Oh, uh, let's see. I know when I was at Subway at least once a week. Well, I mean, you know, when they ask for tuna and you give them something else, the sweet onion teriyaki, of course, yeah, they, they have a better really reaction. annoyed. And now I'm with this company. Surprisingly, not so much. But uh, it still happens. And it's just as annoying as the last. You know, after it happens about three times or more, I'd say the problem is you at a certain point. Buddy, you're I'm, attracting these shadowy figures, all right? I don't even know if they're if it's supposed to mean anything. All I know is what I remember in most of my dreams now is I'm so fed up, I actually charge the damn thing my damn self. Look, they're sent by Coca-Cola <laughs> because... I'm not giving them enough love. Yeah, they see all your damn Mountain Dews. Shouldn't they and, be sending me a fucking polar bear at that point? I'd be a much worse death than a shadowy figure. <laughs> Damn polar bear. Um, all right, so let's get in the movie. Um, what the hell is this opening? You know, the opening scene, I remembered watching in theaters and not knowing what the hell was going on. And, and now, uh, 10 years later, I'm still Baffled. what the hell is going on. Uh, all I know is... It's, it's kind of clever because they're playing on the idea of that there's been so many stab movies in this universe. That in the universe, the stab movie has become like the Saw franchise. There's like six or seven of them now. So, but I will say this: um, Kristen Bell should be in more horror movies as the actual killer. She, for some reason, she was kind of frightening. You think so? Yeah, just all her nice and innocentness all of a sudden stabs Anna pa- uh, Paquin in the damn chest. I'm like, huh? This felt like they were just trying to get like as many cameos in the beginning of the movie as possible. Like, I get the first fake out, which really had no one I recognized in the first one. Um, and then you had Kristen Bell and one, both of them actually are. I don't recognize them. On the ID page, it says that all six actors or actresses in the opening scene all were like leads on t- their own TV shows. So well, I know Anna Paquin was um, True Blood. She was played Sookie Stackhouse. Um, Kristen, Co- uh, Connie Bell, Connie Britton was on Friday Night Lights. She's the girl that ends up being the final death in the opening scene. Okay. And then one of them is the star of the show called Pretty Little Liars. Oh, that's probably why I don't recognize them. I never watched it, but so then you had Kristen Bell, and I guess the other two are. No, I remember. So they're they're actually well known act. They're all well known actresses. So this is going to make me sound like an idiot. But I could have sworn the girl from uh, Kick-Ass what was her name. Chloe Cortez. I, I don't know her whole name. I could have sworn she played the Marnie character. Um, Apparently not. Someone named Bree something or other. I think that's the Pretty Little Liars actress. Yeah, so that's, pro- that's my bad. I could have sworn 
that the Chloe, who also played the Carrie remake, played this character. I'm just like, I could have sworn that's someone else. Well, it happens. An honest mistake. So. Yeah, but uh, Kristen hey, Bell. Let's just be thankful it's not someone from the TV show Supernatural. So uh, yeah. That's what's important. So. Kristen Bell, actually, uh, what I've never really known her from shows. I know her from comedies. Yeah, I don't know what show she's on, but apparently she's on. She's the lead of some kind of TV show. Mm, I know she's on. Uh, a, she's from my wife's favorite comedy, Couples Retreat. Uh, she's in one of my favorite comedies, Bad Moms and Bad Moms Two. Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I I understand one fake out. But we didn't need two fake outs before getting to the real thing. Yeah. I guess it's funny because it's like... But the, the, the problem I have is that the actual opening kill, it's really not much better than what we saw in the stab movies. Like, it wasn't like a better kill than what they show in those opening stab scenes. And also, Stab 7 gave away who the killer was right away. Oh, interesting. I didn't pick up on that. When I watched that, when I watched that whole fake out in Stab 7... It had Kristen Bell kill Anna. I'm like, so wait, does that mean in this universe, Stab 7's killer is Kristen Bell? And they just gave it away in the opening scene of that movie? I understand it's a movie within a movie, but come on. I think the characters actually call that out. <laughs> I believe the characters, well, no, they, the characters in the opening scene, they call the idea of like, they're like, wait a minute. So how can the characters in the Stab movie watch be watching the last Stab movie? It's like, is that... Like an inner, inner universe? Like, what the hell? <laughs> so, I guess it all, yeah, that's kind of interesting. But, the opening kill, we get the familiar call from Ghostface. Still our boy, Roger Jackson. 11 years after the Scream 3, still sounds still, exactly the same. Yep. Still sounds sinister. Still the best phone voice in all of horror movies. It's still, still the best phone voice in all of horror <laughs> movies. Lance Henderson is just a great actor. But he doesn't got the best phone voice in all horror movies. Come on. Do you not remember when A Stranger Calls remake? Yeah. That was Lance and Rickson. This still was he not. He just be- was uncredited because Tommy Flanagan is the one who played the physical killer. Still wasn't better than Ghostface though. <laughs> Ghostface could call me, and uh, trying to sell me an expired warranty, and I would renew my warranty that don't, that I don't even have because it was Ghostface. All right, that's how convincing. And how scary his voice is. I'd be like, yes, Mr. Ghostface, I will renew the warranty that I don't even have in the first place. I had a question. I would give my credit card right there on the phone. I'd be like, all right, five, five, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, have you checked the children lately? No, because I don't have children and I'm not going to be babysitting anytime soon. So what do you think about the opening, the actual opening kill? So the actual opening kill, first, technically the opening kill is Marnie who dies off screen. Off screen. She disappears, but we know she's probably dead. And, and she, she gets thrown through a window, and she did. Be honest with you, this is how I know I was in for a rough time. Because I do not remember a damn thing about Roger no. Jackson's voice in this opening scene. Uh, he doesn't say anything too clever. And there's really no horror trivia here, basically. Essentially, uh, what's-her-face's body gets thrown through the thing. Mm-hmm. Chases uh, our other girl up the stairs. The other girl hides in a room. And it's pretty clever. She hides in a room, but she hides at the door. So then Ghostface basically slams to the door, and she flies away from the door. And then pretty much she's screwed. So, so another thing I've noticed about this, and this is, goes throughout the whole movie. Uh, the killers in this are a little bit more efficient than the first three because... Until the end, the killers in this do not have 
any goofy moments when they're actually Ghostface. They're not. And Ghostface is definitely more ruthless, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, to be fair, they've seen seven stab movies. They should be efficient. They've seen <laughs> six stab movies where Ghostface flies off the couch but, and bumbles and stumbles well, into each movie. Well, here's the question. So. In the stab movies, is Ghostface... Uh, a goofy killer, or is he ruthless in those movies? He could be ruthless for all we know. If it's true to what we've seen, if it's true to what we've seen in the screen movies, he's a bumbling hack, right? He's flying all over the place and always has way too much energy. Ghostface in most of his chase scenes looks like he just downed three Mountain Dews, <laughs> and he looks like he's doing way too much. Why, so. you, why do you gotta bring that up, bud? <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> if you were Ghostface, you'd be way too hyped up. So, also, oh, what, one callback they have in the scene though is that she does try to crawl under the garage yep. and more a realistic garage scene the garage door comes down kind of taps from the back and then goes back Yeah, because i've had a garage door land on me now an automatic one like that that slowly comes down on you it's not gonna hurt the minute it finds resistance it goes back up it, yeah it, it should yeah now if he would have came up behind her grabbed it and slammed it down himself that would have done some damage Understand, she's already been stabbed. Well, he'd that have to be. Does hurt. He'd have to be superhuman Tommy Jarvis to like slam the garage door down on her. Yeah, with an automatic one, you can't throw it down. It's not like one of the manual uh, hand ones where you can actually get, bring it down or up as fast as you want. Yeah, but the way they did it, she was crawling and it comes down her back, and it, yeah. does, it does stop her though. It seems like she's affected by it because she stops crawling and then he drags her back in and stabs her. So it seems like. It hurt her somehow. Well, so. I, Maybe because she was had already been stabbed. Yeah, but, but I will mention, uh, this girl is not that smart. That, that maybe they decided, hey, let's make the killers smart, but uh, let's make everyone else stupid, because this girl gives away her location. Yep. By turning on the light. Yep. Uh, lady, you're hiding. Turn on the light. That light's going to appear through the cracks of the door. This wasn't uh, the smartest screen. I mean, I understand it's just the first kill, but hell, Drew Barrymore was smarter than this. And all she did was run. Yeah, but you know, these, the screen movies usually have typically, in most cases, the characters are known for their intelligence. Most of the victims even usually are relatively smart people. This opening kill was not that. <laughs> but do you know the, um, the reason why she was killed, which is revealed later, which we can talk about now, because this is going to be, of course, a spoiler heavy podcast. We know. Wasn't gonna... she the one that uh, Trevor cheated on? Yes. Yeah. So that was the idea here is that this is the girl that uh, Trevor cheated on Jill with, with this girl. So now, in that context, it becomes not a random kill, but a reason why she was targeted. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and yeah. And we have to reveal that Jill and Charlie are the killers so that with each kill scene and like that, everything we can sort of go through who, who killed who and what the motivations here were. So this is obviously Jill's idea to get back at Trevor, even though she's going to get back. So at there's him a good chance that Jill was the one who did the killing with this one, at least with the I girl. don't think so though. You think it was Charlie still? Yeah. I think I, it was Charlie with Marnie just cause he'd probably have the more of the strength than Jill to throw Marnie through the window. I, I think this movie is, and we'll go through it, but I think this movie is, I think Jill does all the phone calls. Charlie's doing all the legwork here pretty much. He's, well, ba- one of, one he's them, basically he's basically the the hired gun. The, well, one of them obviously has to have horror protection to him. Yes. Well, that's <laughs> going to be, of course, a standout thing in this movie. We'll break it down, but 
Um, all right. So I guess typically you tell us about our characters. Yep, this you? is where we get to meet our characters. Now we don't get to meet all these characters at once because, unfortunately, with this movie, they decided to sacrifice quality with quantity. Unlike the previous movies, well, except Sons Sons Part Three, Sons which part was three. definitely quality over quantity. Yeah, they decided to bring in a big cast so we can have a high body count. Whereas the first two screams gave us a moderate to small cast, less kills, but... Well, the first one did. Yeah. Scream 2 was pretty overloaded also, I'd say. Eh, not, not as much as Scream 3 or... There were sorority sisters, remember? Uh, Rebecca Gayhart had two minutes of screen time. Uh, well, they just wanted the Noxema girl to act all cute and cuddly and... Uh, but anyway, um, so here's our characters. Sydney, Dewey, Gail, Kirby, Jill, Olivia. Wait, wait, wait. That was the part that I was going to contribute was is Sydney, Gail, and Dewey. All right. You got to let me at least. All right. Now, I, I can't really say we technically meet Gail with this scene. You just see her as Dewey gets up. No limp. Limps. The His limp is gone. nerve has been healed. With no explanation. It probably healed itself. But that's because you know that because you've done some research. Yes. As a movie-going watcher who's just watching the movie, I'm like, hey, where did Limp go? Well, most people who watch this movie also probably did not go back to rewatch the first three. The Scream series is very, very popular. They know about <laughs> Dewey's Limp. It's not probably like a... Probably not. They, nobody watched Scream 4 was like, I don't remember Scream 2 and 3. Probably. Oh, my God. It's one of the biggest horror movie series of all time. You, you only about? need to remember Scream 1. Oh, my God. You said it yourself in a previous one. Each movie is a direct sequel of the first, not really of the other two. He was stabbed in the first one also, right? He should yeah, still have a limp. Yeah, but he didn't have a limp in the first one, now did he? If they're going by just seeing the first one, they're like, hey, Dewey's still alive? He <laughs> died in the first one, in my opinion. This has all been his twin brother. Did you not remember the, uh, host- the uh, ambulance scene? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm alive, guys. Yeah, I choose to believe they die on the way to the hospital, right? Anyway, so obviously the three main characters plus Kirby played by Hayden Penetier. If anyone understands that name, congratulations. You just won a grand, uh, solid gold Cupid doll. Everybody knows Hayden. Uh, Jill played by probably one of the, I can't say best, upcoming horror actresses because she's been in the game a little bit. but uh, A lot. Uh, well, ten, I think prof- Scream 4 was her first horror experience. Yeah, but since then, it's like she totally dove into the horror genre, and now she's probably most so, known for that. I right? found out why. Emma Roberts has always pretty much played like that girl next door, love interest vibe, whereas horror, because she's always casted as the uh, bitch of the group, she or the killer, she is she literally gets to have out her catty side more. It, I think also she's building a brand where it's like, like the reason why she was so good in Scream Queens is because you've seen her in Scream 4, you've seen her American Horror Story. So it's Mm -hmm. like, it makes sense for her to be in that universe. Charlie is played by uh, Macaulay Culkin's little brother. I was wondering why he looks so damn familiar. That's that's Rory Macaulay, yeah. Okay. I was wondering why he looks so familiar. Like, I've seen this kid before. Yep. And now I realize it's from Home Alone. Yeah, in the same sort way. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, in the same way that Kevin McAllister, young Macaulay Culkin, terrorized those robbers. That's where he picked up on this, and now Charlie's going to terrorize his. So friends. you're telling me Macaulay Culkin taught this kid how to make traps, and this kid doesn't even use them. Yeah, Kevin Kevin McAllister would have been a far more sadistic villain than this guy. Oh my gosh! Now I want to see a screen movie with 
Kevin McAllister. You think that's well, Scream it, 5? Let's be honest. It would be a Saw movie. It is the Saw movie because the whole theory is that Jigsaw is Kevin McAllister. That that would be that would be very interesting if like Kevin, if they got Macaulay Culkin for Scream Five, re, do, getting revenge on those that killed his brother. So in that case, it'd be Charlie's brother, basically. But. Yeah, but played by Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, that'd be so meta, though. <laughs> it's like there's no ghost face mask. Like so the the sense. the people die by like walking in and like falling down the stairs because they tripped on ornaments. Like, <laughs> but it would make so much sense and have it take place during Christmas, even. I'd love it. <laughs> I'd watch, I'd watch that 20 times. Um, what about, did they, okay, did we talk about um, Cindy's assistant, Rebecca? Oh, yeah. I never that's wrote actually, her name down until she dies. That's actually Allison Brie. She's like a really famous actress actually now, so. Yeah, the problem is I, never, I didn't write her name down until she died. Well, uh, she's a great actress. She could have been used a lot more here. This is like in her early days, but she's like a star on many different TV shows now. Everybody in the screen movies, they they always draw like actors want to be in this movie. So Anthony Anderson, problem with Anthony Anderson in this movie is that it makes him more of like a parody scary movie because he was in the scary movie series. Well, there's that. What's weird is they make him you know a funny cop guy when he's actually played serious roles in Law and Order. Yeah, but he's. Definitely known as a comedic actor, though. Oh, of course. I you're, mean, you're, he has you're, his own you're show. You're bringing up now. his one dramatic role, but he's definitely a comedy actor. So. He he had another dramatic role, sort of. He dramatically screamed when Jet Li threw him off a building. Some must die. Some you win, and dim some you lose. <laughs> oh, who could forget that classic line? Oh yeah. I mean, I like him as a comedic cop, but this is one of those like his scene where he dies. We can just jump there real quick and just describe the scene. One that, that, where, that's way too that's even that's way too comedic for a so movie. I found out actually that uh, because of where the knife actually goes in, it can actually happen because the brain is trying to tell your body that you're dead, but your body is still fighting the urge to legitimately die. It is trying to stay alive. Okay, so that okay because I had never seen someone stab in the forehead like that. So it's interesting that it happened because mm. it you feel like almost like this like your forehead feels like a brick almost. It's hard to see like a knife going into it like that, but it definitely can happen. Mm. Yeah, cause nah, was, that that's fine. I mean, that's realistic. I'm just like the 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 fuck Bruce Willis part. It's just like yeah, that that's part, a little bit too comedic, like, right? Why did he even say fuck Bruce Willis? Was Anthony Anderson and Bruce Willis having a thing at the time? Well, do you remember their conversation in the car? Him and the other cop were talking, and the other cop was saying basically that. You know, cops always die in horror movies unless you're Bruce Willis. Like the idea was that Bruce Willis is safe, but other cops, other cops always die in movies. Well, first, and, can we get Bruce Willis in a horror movie to find out? Well, they're saying just in cop movies, cops and movies in general. They're, they were doing commentary on cops and movies. They were like, if it's your last day before you're retiring, or if you're you're Bruce Willis, you're you're dead. But if you're Bruce Willis, you're okay. Not true. You got Danny Glover. You got Mel Gibson. No, no. But actually, I, I think they were talking about the movie Seven, though, because Morgan Freeman was like his last day where he was going to retire or something like that. Yeah, so. but he didn't die. Oh, that's true. He, he was alive. Yeah, that, that's true. They, they, they use it as a stereotype, but it's like, you're right. Brad Pitt was the one who got arrested because he shot. Oh, well, they said also, they said if you're a rookie cop. They said if you're a rookie cop or if it's your last well, day. Most, most rookie cops make stupid mistakes. I mean, that also happened in Lethal Weapon 3, I believe. The rookie just made his 21st birthday. 
and then goes into a shootout where he dies because the bad guys no, had if bullet. If you're a rookie, off. you're going to do dumb stuff. Yeah. But their main point was that <laughs> there was this commentary about Bruce Willis, but it's just like it's so random for a screen movie. And then when he dies, it's like, fuck Bruce Willis. It's like, that, that feels more like a, a pair, like a, like the scary movie series. Now, can we talk about how ruthless this guy, the, this killer technically is with this one? Because most of the time he likes to try and still play with his victims. Yeah. So actually let's go back to the, the beginning then, because basically here's we, Olivia. We meet our three teenage female characters, which is Olivia, Kirby and Jill, who are all friends. Jill is, they're kind of in trouble because Jill, Jill is the niece of Sydney Prescott. Yep. And Sydney's in town. Because she wrote a book. She pulled a Gail Weathers and she wanted to get some of that Gail Weathers book money. So she did her own mem- memoirs. Yep. I wonder in her memoirs though, I'm wondering how she, if she actually described the events of Scream 2, Scream 3. Was it's it all very there? possible. I mean, it sounded like it was one of those books where uh, is about how her experiences empowered her to be better um, than what she originally was in the previous movie and the previous spurned life. her to become a best-selling author yeah pretty much but i think she was using it more as a way to inspire others who may be in a may eventually get chased by ghostface exactly or chased by candy man exactly they're still they, she's gonna bring up they're still human beat the crap out of them basically because you also find out sydney apparently knows martial arts now of course she took lessons you would think she would have learned that after the first movie so why, why isn't her book just called How to Survive as a Final Girl? She's basically giving advice to future final girls. And, but I, I think it's probably just called... Well, I forgot what the book is called. It was called Out of Darkness. Out of Darkness. Out of Darkness. So she gave a cliche title. It should have been called How to Be a Final Girl. Yes. Over and over again. Yes. And now, over again. I will say this. There's a... should mention there's a deleted scene that uh, advises that her father has died. And that this is her first time coming back to Woodsboro since since then, and so that's why there's no Neil Prescott in this month. So I'll that's just why there's no that's why there's no presence of Neil Prescott here. I'm just curious about one little thing. We get introduced to an aunt to Sydney's aunt, apparently Marines sister. Yep. Um, that makes no sense to me. Where'd she come from? Where'd she come from? Uh, why did Sydney have to find out everything about her mother through the events of three slasher films instead of her aunt going, yeah, your mom ran away for like two plus years, became a Hollywood star, and then she came back? Maybe, though. So the one argument for that is maybe she was not close with her sister Maureen. They were just maybe... Estranged sisters. Maybe. Then, you're, then that means that this aunt is a bitch because she even uses Marine's death as a way to get a little bit of sympathy, also from Sydney, because she goes, "You're not the only one who lost someone that day." That's the only mention we get of Marine Prescott. Well, yeah. So the the mother the the aunt character. Let's be honest, she's pretty underutilized, underdeveloped. We just never really and get that much of her. And also, something tells me that. I feel like her death was a little too fast. Something tells me she would have put up a fight had Ghostface gotten in that house. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, not to say that she's a bad mother, but she, she, ra- she raised Jill. So <laughs> <laughs> the evidence of her being a great mother is not really apparent in what we see out of Jill. So Jill, oh, yeah. Jill at the end is basically like, oh, my, my, mother, my own mother had to die. But then she's like, no big loss. So that, that 
I mean, of course, Joel's crazy, but well, again, th- there was just, no, there's not good pairing there. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out where did the aunt come from? You, with everything going on, especially stuff that happens in one and three, because she's learning about the mother. She would play not. You don't even need her to play a big part. Just hi, I'm here. How can I help you? Maybe part one, she can play a bigger I, role. I get why she's not in part. I get why she wouldn't be in part two or part three because part two is at the college. And part three is in Hollywood. But part but, three has to deal with the mother, which Sydney would have at least probably called her and be like, hey, did my mom ever do this? Yeah, so maybe. So at the very but, least, her voice? By the time Sydney finds out about that stuff, though, it's kind of like deep into part three, though. Mm. Now, part one, though, is in Woodsboro. So where was the aunt during the events of part one? Maybe did she, she actually move to Woodsboro after that stuff happened to her niece? Because that doesn't make sense to me. Your niece gets attacked in Woodsboro, you're like... I should buy a house there. (laughs) I should raise my child there. What? So that, her having any family in Woodsboro outside of her dad, even her dad would probably be like, I'm getting the hell out of town once that happened. Right. Um, But, okay, let's just say for the story purposes, we have to have a niece here. To do that, you have to have the aunt. So Now, I will uh, say this, though. Maybe they could have said it was, I don't know, a father's sister instead of the mother's. That would make more sense. Because when I hear father, sister, I'm like, okay, I understand that. And then I hear mother, sister, yeah, Marine apparently did come from this town. But uh, Actually, to take it a step further, you could actually, you could have wrote in basically that the reason she's coming back to Woodsboro is her father's funeral. Mm. Or the aunt's funeral. Either one of them dying, that's the reason to come back, that's... A little more interesting, maybe, than her book tour, which is they've already done with Gail Weathers. All right, but... All right, so I want to talk about Olivia's death for a second because... Okay, Ghost so... Ghostface has fun with this one, and he kind of does something he's never done in any of the other movies. Yeah, but to me, I don't understand what Olivia's doing here because... So the way the scene plays out is that you have... Next door, you have Kirby and Jill hanging out. They're doing a sleepover. The cops are stationed outside... And Olivia comes home, and actually, I think Kirby invites her to come hang out with them. She does. And Olivia actually says, she's like, she actually says something about, like, um, you know, I'm feeling creeped out. She doesn't want to be around the angel of death, which is what they called Sydney because of everything that's happened. Fair, fair point. But then she's like, oh, my mom is away for the weekend or something like that. My mom is away. She's not here. You're telling me in, no, in that scenario, I don't be around the age of death. That's, that's fine. That's decent reasoning. But you'd rather be in an empty house by yourself versus next door with your friends. I don't think that makes sense. And I wonder if she accepted the invite. If she accepted the invite, is she okay then? Is Ghostface is going to chill in the closet all night? So. Well, at that point, you're probably like, this is taking too long. So she's obviously gone over there. So... And most likely, Jill would have told Charlie, he's like, hey, she's not coming over now. She's over here, so you leave the house. I, I just think there's like, I think in, I think most human beings, if she's actually feeling creeped out, would... Use Rather the, be with people. If your mom's home, that's one thing. But literally, you, you open the door to a dark house, you're like, I'm feeling creeped out. You're really going to go into this empty, creepy house by yourself. To and, avoid the angel of death. By the way, how, how terrible are the... Are, how bad are the cops outside that they don't see... Ghostface sneak into her house and get into the closet. Well, the they're not watching Olivia's house. And most likely Ghostface snuck in through the back door. Yeah, true. I guess the door was open. Or mm-hmm. Ghostface 
uh, is a good uh, blacksmith. So yeah. So now we also get the scene where Ghostface has never done this before, and I'm going to say Ghostface is his own character. To be honest with you, he is. It's it's not. It's like when you when you think about Ghostface, you're not thinking about Charlie or Jill. You're thinking about Roger Jackson, and then whatever Ghostface. some person plays. The but part. you don't think about oh, that's Charlie. Later on, you try to put it together, but. Ghostface is like its own entity at this point. You put on the mask, all of a sudden you are Ghostface. You get the bill. You get all, the... Although we can use common sense here, and obviously all signs point to this being Charlie. Obviously. Since Jill is in the other house. <laughs> this is definitely hypothetically Charlie, who's high in the closet, who from the closet can see that they're watching Shaun of the Dead from across. Is there a people in the closet or something? He's able to call Kirby and be like, you're watching Shaun of the Dead. Like, well, and that's why he also pulls the little uh, switcheroo by saying, I'm in the closet. That's very clever. Now, the thing I'm saying is definitely unlike Ghostface and is completely new is the fact that he bring he says it, but normally he calls the victim. He, knows, he doesn't call the person on the other, like, two houses down. This time he called, he didn't call Olivia, who his next target was. He called... Kirby. So this was all obviously planned by Jill. Right. So Jill is there with Kirby. Jill is the mastermind here. So she knows that Charlie's hiding in Olivia's closet. And and don't get me wrong. Uh, looking at Olivia's physique versus Charlie's. Yeah. If he, Charlie continued doing the ghost face thing and called Olivia instead, giving her the warning that she's next. Something tells me Olivia would have kicked his ass. <laughs> I think the problem with that is, yeah, if you call Olivia, <laughs> he's in the closet, right? <laughs> Literally. <sighs> <laughs> he's in the closet, but it's like if you call her, she immediately runs out the house. You're in, you being in the closet, and when you call her, you're almost like giving her a head start unless your plan is to, like, as soon as you start talking to her, to run out the closet, basically. Even this is kind of bold because... You're going to come out the closet. <laughs> it is bold because you're going to kill her, but you know that when you kill her, the people across the street are alerted to it already. From the moment he comes out the closet, Jill and Kirby are watching. Yeah, but here's the thing. He definitely has fun with Olivia. He's throwing her around, stabbing her multiple this times. This was extremely vicious. He stabs through her hand at one point. Like, what Holy did hell. this woman do to this guy? I know what I know. I have the answer though, and it makes sense later on. What he's doing is, this is his first real big kill, right? Let's say outside of a uh, girl at the beginning. But what he's doing here, I believe, is he's trying to prove himself to Jill. He knows that Jill is watching. Think about when he actually throws the body through the window for them to see. He's showing off to Jill, who obviously he's. Has a, he's super pretty much in love with at this point, but he's showing off for Jill. That's how I took it basically, because no other death scene is him being this vicious. Yeah, he did he, not like this girl. At all. I don't know if Olivia had like turned him down for the prom or something like that, but he has a clear. He's like stabbing her through the hand. Are we sure this guy's name is Charlie, not Jeremy? Don't disrespect the name of Jeremy like that. <laughs> you know, here's my problem. Yes, when we later see who, when we know this is Charlie. Seeing how like scrawny and small Charlie is, it's Olivia just... would have kicked his ass had he given her a fair chance. Yeah, they um, they said I think Wes Craven said, or I guess the studio had told Wes Craven basically, 
they didn't want Jill and Charlie to be the killers because the killers in the previous movies, they were all basically at least like six feet tall. So you could buy them as Ghostface because they were tall, had decent builds. They were like, okay, Jill and Charlie look like, like real like teenagers. Like uh, Emma Roberts apparently is only 5'2". She has to wear like heels in the movies just to like actually seem like decent sized height wise. Charlie to me is probably like same thing, like 5'8", five, 5'9". Not scrawny. Scrawny. It's like, so these look like 16-year-olds. Ghostface always feels like a, like a, a, a strong guy or like something, So you're right? thinking that the producer probably wanted more Trevor as the killer because he wouldn't fit that bill. They were just thinking. They're, they're looking at Rory McCulk and they're like, all right, can you buy that this guy is like being the killer basically? And Not in a horror movie. And you, I buy him as a killer in one way, as a... A school shooter type of killer say, not with a, a gun. Not in a horror movie. But now where he's going to be so confident to like attack people with a knife. Like now, to be fair, I think the way they got around that is that he's never really attacking like a man or a guy per se. Most of the scenes here, when you, when they show him attacking, he's attacking women. Mm-hmm. And but he never really like 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 Mickey and Billy and all that. They had no problems like attacking men. Um, because they were able to fight back. Yeah, Roman in part three, he was full-on attacking guys. You do see the killer, basically. All the death scenes are him attacking women. So that kind of gives a hint to it. But And the one and the guys they do attack, they, get pre- they take them out pretty quickly, showing that they're not going to be able to... Showing that they're getting out the people who can fight back easily. Yeah. So, yeah, so Olivia basically gets a terrible death scene. Sydney runs across the street. Beats get- the hell out of them. Sort of. Yeah, Kicks you were in the face. You were mentioning that Ghostface isn't clumsy in the movie, but this is the only time. But but that looked realistic to me. Like, yeah, like Sydney would we would kick Charlie's ass. Yeah. Given there's no like knife, they're just one on one. Sydney's probably stronger than Charlie. <laughs> and um, also she and even if Charlie was stronger with her with whatever training she got, she could probably outmaneuver a knife by now. Yeah. It's probably one of the first things she decided. She told the her trainers like, look. I've been attacked by a guy wielding a knife three times. Show me how to disarm that. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, I, I just I don't think that Charlie took any kind of fighting lessons before donning the mask here. He's yeah, he, he's going with the idea of I have I have a knife, I'm powerful, but kicked he, in the face. Yeah, went down. Uh, Ghostface runs a lot. He runs away a lot in this movie too, actually. Um, so let's get to Rebecca's death. So so Jill is in the hospital, so she's not involved here. So this is again clearly Charlie. Um, Rebecca, who this is she's having a bad day. She gets fired by Sydney, and now she gets killed. And I think that probably the idea was to kill whoever's close to Sydney. But if the killers just knew that she was not very well liked and was going to get fired, probably she could have been spared. So I will say, that this, is, this is a this is a pretty good death scene, though. Oh, it is because it also makes sense in the context that she, obviously the killers are going. The Charlie most likely did this one by himself. He was he given the target, but he did it by himself. Jill is in the hospital. Um, Olivia, yeah. Jill could have sent him the message if Olivia decided to come to the house. Jill could have just sent him, hey, get out of there. She's over here now. This is Charlie's brainchild, definitely. Which, I mean, look, he you have, you have, a, you have a, a woman in a parking garage. You should be able to. And what he does this. to make sure that she can't uh, leave is... Take out the cords to the car. Why was the car still able to turn on? I mean, I, you, I you couldn't. Obviously, she couldn't 
get it uh, turned over, but, you know, lights still came on. These looked like electrical cords in his hand. Do you think, <laughs> in hindsight, that she should have stayed in the car still, or she should have got up and did what she did, which was try to run? Well, she jogged lightly to the door. I was about to say, she didn't run. She jogged lightly. By the time she got there, Ghost was already running up on her. But was she just screwed either way, or did she, was there any chance of, like, to survive here? To me, she didn't have that many options, but... Well, I was going to say, well, Charlie's a pretty scrawny guy. He probably wouldn't be able to break a window, but he could use the butt end of the knife and as much strength as he can muster to smash through the window easily. It doesn't take much I, to break those windows. I don't think he wanted to smash the windows, though. It would have made I, too much noise. He seemed to be waiting for her to get out the car, basically. Yeah, but still, most likely... Had she stayed in, he would have waited a few minutes and went, okay, she ain't coming out. I got to do something. All right, so let's say she that. She probably screwed out of the way. Let's say she made the right move, but she should have ran fast to the door. As fast as she could. As fast as she could run to the door is your best chance because then it's just a foot race. Well, here's another question. Um, and, and the door was locked. Why didn't she take off her heels before she started running? Well, that's true. That, that's one. She didn't want to mess up her nails. Uh, she, so, uh, she probably got a recent, recently got a manicure pedicure i'm just wondering because you see this whole thing in these movies a lot of the actresses are like yes you can run in heels i'm like yeah you can but i'm sure it's uncomfortable as shit and how fast can you run in heels it depends on if you actually know how like um jurassic world i forget the redhead's name but uh that woman she literally practiced on running on heels just so she could do that scene in heels. Mm. That was her choice because the director said, your heels have to come off at some point to make this believable. She goes, no, I've been le- teaching myself to run on heels. I'm doing the scene in heels. Hmm. No idea why. That's kind of weird. Yeah, but... Okay, so, well, even if she runs bare feet... If or- she runs fast enough... It depends. The, was the door the, locked? The problem is the it? door is locked. She got to the door, yeah, so. but she couldn't open it. When she turns around, he's running up on her stabber. If the door was open, she actually probably gets through. Yeah, but door's locked, so tough tits. And the door being locked, I'm not sure if that even makes sense. I guess Ghostface had to consciously... He probably had to consciously lock the door before actually attacking her. And Ghostface also probably had to scope out the garage before to make sure nobody was in the parking garage. Because if one person shows up, like I said... Charlie, to me, is such a weak killer in, in, in terms of who he is that anybody's stumbling upon him. In other movies, if somebody stumbles upon Ghostface, I'd just be like, oh, Ghost, Ghost, Ghostface would just kill them also. But if the wrong person stumbles upon Charlie in the Ghostface mask, he's probably going to kick his ass. Yeah, but so, <laughs> like I said, any, anyone who dons the Ghostface mask becomes Ghostface. Superhuman power. Ghostface is its own entity. Well, that for this movie to work, we have to go with that. So, <laughs> so Rebecca then, unfortunately, gets for her, gets thrown off the building onto a car because they have to show her body so and everything. They so. say the motivation, I guess not the motivation, but the uh, MO of the killer is to recreate what happened in the first movie. I don't remember anyone getting thrown from a building in the first movie. Yeah, I don't think they saw the first movie if that's the case because... Yeah, it's people taking out the trash. Um, This movie definitely has a lot of the same beats as the first movie. There's a lot of things that are similar. Because they're trying to do a remake, technically. Yeah, but, yeah, Rebecca's death is just like, I guess, 
no, cl- no one. The closest get... thing to that is the Henry Winkler death, I guess. But yeah, but no one gets thrown from a building, and Henry Winkler got technically got hung off the what was it football uh, field goal. Yeah, there'd be no reason to drive Rebecca to the football field and hang her from there. So, but as we brought up, there none of these kills actually happened as they did in the movie, or even similar to the setting or location. I think just the cops are wrong here. They're saying that's the M.O., but there's nothing from Jill's explanation later or anything that says that the killings themselves are being done in a way that mimic the first Scream movie. I mean, she's certain things she's setting up, of course, to be very similar, but in which case, n- also, actual kills are not nothing to do with that, right? So, And also, which case, yeah, I understand remakes are trying to one-up the original, but um, most remakes also keep the same number of kills. They just spread them out so that way it pans out of runtime. I mean, the fact that, well, I'd be interested maybe to, maybe we should actually at one point afterwards, we'll compare the death count in this movie to the first one. I wonder if the kill count is actually pretty similar. No, it's not. It's higher. more. Yeah. It's definitely more. Um, so, moving on from that. Party? Um... Feels like that's skipping the end of the movie. Let me see. How's that skipping the to the end of the movie? The party happens halfway through. Okay, that's fair. We're talking about the first movie. The party was at the end of the movie. Oh well, before the party though, uh, Charlie and Robbie, who is the other film guy in this movie, they basically invite Gail Weathers to come there, which basically this is a part of so, Charlie's plan. I'm thinking is to kill Gail here. So, so they didn't invite Gail to the party. They invited Gail. And Sydney to their little cinema club thing. I thought that's what we're talking about when you said party. No, I, when I said party, I'm talking about that barn party where Gail was yeah. attacked at. Well, that is supposed to be the cinema thing. That's all the one thing. No, cinema club was them in the school. Oh, no. At the... Okay, we're confused ourselves. At the, at the cinema club meeting, they invite her to Stabathon. They never invite her. They literally said it's email invite only. Yeah, but Charlie's definitely wants her to be there, though. He never. He most likely had her follow him in a in a way of making it look like he didn't. But he straight up told her, "Email invite only. We can't." And so if you didn't get the invite, you're not. But coming. doesn't doesn't she like persuade them to like work together with them? That was at the beginning, and that was to get into the cinema club room. Ah, damn man! When was the last time you watched this movie? Granted, I watched okay. it yesterday. Well, the movie only works if. Charlie wants her to be there because he's planning to kill her. So, because so, the only way she got there is by follow is by following somebody there, most likely Charlie and Robbie. Let's say Charlie and, Charlie must assume that if you give any information to her at all, she's going to take the initiative and follow them and end up there, basically. Well, originally she tried to take the initiative, and because she did call Dewey saying, "Hey, killer's here," and be, and for some reason this whole movie they have a uh, back and forth. Yep. And it makes no damn sense to me. It's like, why at this point in time, yes, you're a cop. Yes, you're trying to keep your um, vision that you're trying to keep innocent people out of this. But Gail's got the point that she helped solve this thing three times. In fact, if it wasn't for her, half the all three of these movies would have failed. True. At that <laughs> point, for Dewey to be so like, you're not a police officer, stay out of it. Doesn't make sense. I mean, they just work together in Scream 3, Scream 2. Them as a duo seems to usually come out ahead, even though 
Dewey should have been dead in both part one, part two. Yeah, but still, and I feel like he should have got killed here also. Yeah, but still, um, oh, I guess really in part three, she was definitely... Because the only problem with it is, yeah, she figures out a good amount to be able to help fight. But the problem is she never does tell Sydney. Is she always tries to do her own thing. And she doesn't involve Sydney here at all, basically. There's not much of a... Are there any scenes with Sydney and Gale together? Barely. They, I, there's I really no connection like, there. So even though in the first couple movies, Gale and Sydney did not like each other, I Is still that, feel like... you say that because Sydney punched her in the face twice? Yeah. And I yeah. still feel like Gale, though, because Sydney's still young in those movies, did not want to involve her in it. That's fair. This one, however, I'm, I'm wondering if she's trying to do it for her own glory again. Well, she's... She's living like um she's living like a very small town life and she wants to be back into the the big time media basically. She wants to be in the game pretty much. She's dissatisfied with being Dewey's housewife. She wants to be a reporter again, be on the news. So this is her opportunity to get back in the thick of things. So And unfortunately, she shows up at the stabathon and gets stabbed. So. so I'm just wondering. So I understand the fictional killers get held in high regard just because the movies are so iconic or the killer is iconic like Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, but they're still fictional. Right. They're not based on actual killers. This, these stab movies are based on a legitimate three killers. Well, five killers. Yep. So why are these movies and this particular killer being held in such high regard when it is a legitimate, real thing in this universe. Not only that, but the kills happen in Woodsboro. Yeah, so... So the town folks of Woodsboro are literally watching movies where their fellow, to- their fellow town folks were murdered. So I'm fine and, with them. And why would they call the killer Ghostface? Wouldn't it be like, this was Billy and Stu and... Like I said, Ghostface is his own entity. But... True. Still, it just... I can understand them, you know, watching it as a sick and twisted form of remembrance for the uh, characters. But you're saying basically, sh- why is it being the killer? Ce- why is it being celebrated? Yeah. That's what I'm just, I'm baffled by. Well, never underestimate the, the poor taste of teenagers. Yeah. I see that. Um, so, so now Gail is attacked. Gail is attacked. And it's, it's kind of stupid because basically her and the, the killer playing this game where he set up a camera, she set up a camera and they're trying to change, other, change each other's cameras almost. Killer sneaks up behind Gale, and Dewey happens to be watching her camera, so he sees it. Yep. And then, again... So... Again, one-on-one, Gale probably would beat up Charlie, <laughs> but... But, unfortunately, he did get the element of surprise. But here's... The only problem I got with this is, when I first watched this movie, three years ago... Um, when it came out, first time, two, yeah. 2018. Yeah. I could have sworn... I remember Gail getting a lot more, with lack of better terms, fucked up. You thought she got a, a Dewey type of scene where all signs pointed to her death, but then she's not. Yeah, I could have sworn I remember watching her getting stabbed at least two or three times and then thrown. That's what I remembered. Well, let me ask you a question. If you're Charlie, you have her down. Let's say you only have this one stab do Stab her. Yeah, stab do <laughs> let's say you only have one stab to do, but let's say you only have one stab, right? You stab her in the shoulder. This ruthless killer, you stab her in the shoulder. 
Were you trying to kill her, Charlie? What are you doing? So if I was going to stab someone in the shoulder, what I would have done if I'm trying to kill him, stab in the shoulder, twist the knife, and then slowly pull the knife all the way across the chest. You sick bastard. But should be dead. You described that in way too much detail. <laughs> Where's the dead body at? Right, you've clearly done this before. <laughs> but, what, um, what I'm saying is, what was Charlie trying to kill her? Because nope. him stabbing her in the shoulder is just... But I'm pretty sure he's trying to kill her. Yeah, but, but here's the one thing I'm wondering. Maybe because, to be fair, Courtney Cox is still a beautiful woman. I don't know what that has to do with anything. but Maybe he had a sick and twisted fantasy about oh, Gail Weathers. That kept him from killing her. No. Yes. Because whatever fantasy he had there, he would have had for Kirby, and he still stabs her in a way more violent way than he does this shoulder thing from that. But I don't want to get into that yet. Hold on. But Gail is more of a celebrity, whereas Kirby is an attainable teenager. Yeah. Two totally different things. Yeah, I'm thinking his sick mind, there's way more pride in being able to kill a celebrity. Think about that. You kill Gail Weathers, you're infamous for killing Gail Weathers. And by the way... How come Dewey never gets attacked in this whole movie? Like, the killer has no thought because to Because people watching him. Dewey getting attacked and still be alive in the next movie is getting old. <laughs> the, the killers, they watch the first five stop movies. They're like, you know what? Let's not even bother with Dewey, all right? <laughs> we can probably cut off his head, stick it up his ass, and we'll be back in the sequel. So, <laughs> All right, so Dewey, yeah. Dewey's, like, basically not even involved in this I movie. I mean, to, really, be, so. to be fair, he does still get an ass beaten. Oh, yeah, but only because he, he involves himself, though. There's never a time where the killer targets Dewey. But anyways. Now, Haas and Perkins' death. Well, we already kind of talked yeah, about so, it. Yeah, okay, so the joke. That. These are the jokes for cops. They get what's coming to them because they're way too funny to be in this movie. Now, okay, so a couple things, though, plot-wise. So this is, so this is where things get tricky about Ghostface being horrorportation. Whore, whore now, so there's some little details here you have to pay attention to. So there's a deleted scene where... They show that Charlie got a ride to Stabathon with Robbie. So you got a ride there. We know that Kirby is at Stabathon also, right? So from there, the next party thing is going to be at Kirby's house. Right, where she picks up Jill. Kirby goes home, but Jill asks Kirby for a ride. And we see that uh, Cindy finds Jill's laptop saying that, pick me up, she's out the window. Now... The problem is I don't know how far Stabathon is from, from Jill's house because obviously the cops are outside the house, right? The theory online that I read at least, there's different theories here. Some people think that, okay, Jill goes out the window in her costume. She's the one that kills the cops. I don't, uh, the, other, the other side of that, which I agree with more, is that I don't think she does that if Kirby's coming to pick her up. I think she's walking down the street, wherever Kirby's going to meet her, and Kirby picks her up, basically. I think Robbie makes his way back from... Not Robbie. Charlie. Charlie makes his way back from Stabathon because now he knows the next step for him, for him is to come here and try to get Sydney to Go to show up at Kirby's by attacking her. So I think that's definitely Charlie who kills the cops. I think Jill just now is pretty much riding along to Kirby's house. And then... Also, that means Charlie's the one who stabs the poor aunt and kills her. So, where the fuck is Robbie in all this? Did Charlie just walk all the way to all the way there? So this is where it's tricky. So, I think that so basically, remember at the end of Stabathon, 
everyone's did, running away. Because he stabbed Gail Weather. He's Ghostface. He's got to get the shit. He's got to get the hell out of there. So he gets the hell out of there. He either hitches a ride or he's running himself. I don't think he reconnects with Charlie there. Now you don't think Charlie reconnects with Robbie? You mean? Not yeah, not there. Charlie must have been like, hey, no. Robbie must have been like, hey, Charlie got his own ride home. He found his own ride. But Charlie, yeah, he's in Ghostface costume. He can't just maybe he does. I don't know. But so. That's why Stabathon cannot be that far from Jill's house. So, with you taking that into context, sure. But seeing as how this movie obviously had to have had a deleted scene that was important for us to understand what the hell. Because the way it's edited does not tell that story. It's too quick because it goes right from Stabathon to, like, the cops. And Um, to be honest, right from even there to everyone already at Kirby's like okay now all there at once now that again and this is where I'll give props to Wes Wes does actually he does put a lot of details in the movie you gotta really pay attention though like I watched the movie three times this week because working from home I just had it playing in the background so I picked up on a few things when they first cut to Kirby's house you have Kirby and Jill on the couch Kirby already has a drink poured she's been drinking she already seems tipsy. Jill's, they're relaxed, basically, right? They show Charlie and Robbie. One of them, Charlie, no, Robbie goes and picks up a beer. But it does look like they're just arriving. And then Charlie, Trevor shows up, and Charlie's like, oh, I left the door open for him to come in. So from that perspective, okay, so Jill and, Char- Jill and Charlie have been there for a while. I'm sorry, Jill and Kirby have been there for a while. They're on the couch. Robbie and Charlie just got there. Charlie was doing his ghost face stuff, and then I guess Robbie came and picked him up, picked him up, and they ride to Kirby's house where Kirby and Jill are already there chilling because we already know Jill left her window and got that ride from Kirby. So, so I feel bad for the aunt a little bit, but yeah, we, but we never really knew her. So, so here's here's the one thing I'm curious. So you're here for the detective telling Dewey, Haas and Perkins are killed, were killed. Okay, cool. Yeah, they were stabbed multiple times. Nope. <laughs> How that. do you fuck yourself up in five minutes? Yeah, well, the other thing too is like, I think she says that they found the car down the road or something like that, right? So the killer had to like pick up... Um, Anthony Hopkins... Anthony, Charlie is Anthony Anderson. <laughs> you call him Anthony Hopkins. That's that's a uh, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Now I'm getting there. Yeah. Um, so you're telling me Charlie's able to pick up Perkins? Well, this is more evidence that this is definitely not Jill, because <laughs> yeah, someone had to pick up Perkins, put them in the car, and then drive them. Are down we the street. sure there is not a third killer? Literally, Ghostface. I think it's Stu. <laughs> Stu got paroled out of prison. We don't know. I mean, being in prison, he would he would get some uh, beef to him. All right, let's get to the party where Trevor shows up. Kirby and Charlie have a moment, which to me... Trevor fucks up. And Charlie, at this point, should just abandon the whole plan and be like, hey, I can actually get with Kirby. This is probably my favorite girl, so... Yeah, but then Charlie uh, dons the costume and kills his best friend. And that one is pretty obvious because they show Charlie walk away angry, and then a minute later, Ghostface is coming out the front door. So at that point, you should pretty much know Charlie's the killer. Right. I'm just surprised he killed his best friend with so much ruthless 
Like, not not caring at all. So, remember how much he... Uh, remember, apparently, rules for a remake is the only people uh, uh, left alive are gays. So, of course, Robbie's like, oh, you can't give me their rules. I'm gay. Which may have worked with anybody, but that happens to be his best friend. He's like, lying motherfucker. Probably and, killed and him more. And then he even says, like, if it helps... Yeah, with a stranger, maybe, but not with <laughs> your best friend who hangs out with you every day. I it's don't like, even think it would, have, it would work with a stranger. The stranger would be like, okay, take, take that off. <laughs> it, it's kind of like the um, it's like the Tatum kill, though, where it's always like, it's kind of like, I'm like, if you're Charlie, unless you really just didn't like Robbie, it's like, you plan to survive, right? Like, why are you killing your best friend? Like, don't, you're supposed to be a survivor at the end. Don't you want you to, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the, the Tatum thing. It's like, you plan to survive, right? Like, why kill your girlfriend? Why kill your best friend? Well, so... It's be, crazy. To be honest with you, Robbie, still at times, you can see a little snippets here and there that Robbie would still at times actually put Charlie down. Yeah. I mean, Charlie, you can definitely tell, has been bullied his entire life. And he's continuing, and he's even with somebody who may see him as harmless jokes, but be, Charlie's already pushed to the edge. One little joke's going to push him even further. Robbie only cared about his stupid YouTube channel, whatever streaming thing he's doing. Mm-hmm. He was big on that. So this is where it gets interesting, though. So Trevor leaves. He says he's going upstairs to look for to Jill. Look for Jill. So we got to put two, two. We got to put two and two together in here and say that basically he goes upstairs and Jill either knocks him out or does something to incapacitate him, because then most likely not just took uh, something heavy and whacked him with it. Yeah, because then Kirby. It, goes towards the front door, and Jill comes downstairs saying that, hey, Trevor, Trevor didn't come upstairs. So Trevor's is upstairs in the bedroom, pretty much been pat, like hit in the head with something, right? Sydney shows up. Someone made a good point online about, how the hell does Sydney know where Kirby lives? How would she know where her house is? But then someone else said, well, maybe the aunt had the GPS in her van that had Kirby's address. It's like, okay, but... Sydney took a long time to get there, so maybe she went to the wrong house first or something. I don't know. very like, possible. Sydney shows up, and then here comes Charlie. But Charlie must not know what the hell is going on because he's going towards – you got Sydney and Jill, Kirby. He looks confused. He chases Sydney up the stairs, but then, again, Wes' attention to detail. Jill's in front, right? Jill leads them into the room. I'm guessing she knows that – uh, Trevor's in the other room, passed out. So she leads Sydney into the the room where Trevor's not at, and then Jill goes under the bed. Leaving and Sydney and Kirby. And, well, Sydney goes on the roof first, which is yep. just stupid. And Sydney does a dumb thing where she sees the killer on the roof. The killer goes the opposite direction, and Sydney knows that, but still walks around and gets hit by the killer in the face. Like you just saw him go around. What are well, you doing? Sydney's getting older. Her mind is getting a little uh, deader. Well, yeah, but she was <laughs> smart enough to write a book, which we don't know was a good book or a bad book, but she wrote a book. So, well, that book doesn't do as much good because she's not rich. So I don't know if she if it was a good book. She comes back in the house and now she runs into Kirby, who advises, "Let's go in the basement." Good little detail here. Before they walk in the basement, you hear like a thud noise, right? Now, what that is, is you remember now when the big reveal happens that Trevor's in the downstairs closet Mm -hmm. and he comes out the closet. (laughs) So that thud is Charlie and Jill 
carrying Trevor's body down the stairs. So that's what you hear, and it makes sense. If you think about it, that's what's happening when they go into the basement. Then they're in the basement, and I guess Charlie gives the ghost face costume to Jill, and Charlie ties himself in that chair in the back, basically. Because now they're reenacting the Casey death, Casey Steve death thing from the first movie. Right. And then we get the, the, we get the classic Kirby phone call here, which she shows her horror movie knowledge. My question is, though, Jill's the one making the phone call. Jill seems to have the most horror movie knowledge. Like, she's naming horror movies that are like, I'm like, damn, did Jill actually know Even named horror? a horror movie I'd never heard of. What was yeah. it, the 1960s? Um, it was something I was like, I was like, this, I was like, is Jill actually, nothing in the movie shows that she's the biggest horror movie fan, but <laughs> she knows more than Kirby about horror movies even. So that was right. kind of threw me out. Because she brought up, a, like I said, a movie from 1960s that apparently Cause Kirby was gets, the first Kirby gets the Kirby gets the first question wrong. And then she's like, ask me one more question. And he's like, fine. But technically she gets a few questions right, obviously all easy questions. Yeah. And then gets that one, which movie uh, started the slasher craze. Which was that 1960s, I forgot the name of it, but it wasn't Psycho, because that's what Kirby said, was Psycho. Yeah, and he says Peeping Tom, I think he says. That's it. And I'm like, I'm like, I know this is Jill making the phone call. Like, really, Jill? Like, you've been just watching all these horror movies on the, on the low-key or something like Yeah, that? and then... But then we got the classic remake question. First of all, Kirby, you don't let Ghostface finish the question. <laughs> right. So you're answering... I mean, I guess by him using the word remake, you just can name every remake of all time, and then one of those is right, right? Yeah, and I'm just sitting there like, do we really need a scene like this? I, I like it, though, because I like Kirby, though. Kirby, to me, is the one new character I actually like. Maybe, may, I don't even know if I like maybe a character. She, I just like Hayden. Maybe she'll pull a Dewey and still be alive. Well, we'll get to that in a second, because that's definitely a strong possibility. Because wasn't she originally casted as survive this originally? So, apparently Hayden had it in her contract that she can't be killed in the movie. It's in her contract that she can't die. So when Wes filmed it, he had to make sure and the last thing you see of her is her still moving. So apparently online, they said that Wes in his commentary said, hey, look, she's still moving. So Wes kind of confirmed that through his commentary that she's not dead. But because this movie bombed, they never, she's dead. They never went through the plans to actually do the Scream 5 that they were going to do. Ah, she could still show up because... This is still tied to Scream 4 because you have, um, what's-her-face is going to be in Scream 5? Um, oh, Judy Hicks, yeah. Judy Hicks is in Part 5, so this is still connected to Part 4, and Part, part 5 takes place in Woodboro. Woodboro. Okay. We, just, so we, don't, we don't get a confirmation of this movie about her thing. I'll, I'll say this, though. The, the one dumb thing she does is that she answers all the remakes, right? And then she assumes she got it right, which she probably did. But <laughs> I can't see it's kind of hard to get it wrong. But I can't see any scenario where she then opens the door and walks out back. She actually opens the door, knowing Ghostess is out there, and goes to try to help Charlie, and then stabs her. But I didn't, that was bad writing when she actually just was like, I got it right, right? Yes, I got it right. And then she opens the door. Like, just so, stay there. I feel like what, what should have happened was because she named all horror remakes. Obviously, there's actually been multiple remakes, not just horror. And I don't, and I'm pretty sure, if I remember the question correctly, uh, Jill did not say anything about horror remakes. They said, in which remake did the villain? And then she just named off a bunch of horror remakes, but there has been action movie remakes as well. So you think she should, she, the killer should have been like, 
Wrong. The answer is Spider-Man, the reboot. No, what I think should have happened was Charlie should have told her, like, you should have waited until he asked the question and then stabbed her. And just leave it alone and leave it alone like that. It's like, well, I mean, because technically she would have gotten it wrong multiple times. So, it may, so if the first thing she said first was the wrong answer, then she lost. I also feel like Charlie... Charlie just walks away with her still moving. It's like, if you're going to kill somebody, you have to make sure they're dead, right? <laughs> right. He just walks away. I'm like, okay, well, we know the cops are going to show up in like 20 minutes. Yeah, but this is also Hayden Panettiere. No one wants to see her die. Oh, yeah. No, the biggest, the biggest complaint about fans is that you better bring back Kirby. Like, fans don't want because it's never confirmed. They don't want to hear. They at least want some mention of, like, is she alive or not? She's got to be in the movie, but you got to be like, yeah, and there was one survivor. We don't know. In the hospital, they don't mention it, though, so I don't know. So, oh, my gosh. We get our big reveal. Jill and Charlie are the killers. Listen, you got to get those followers on Instagram and Facebook, and Jill's like, man, I got to get my social media profile up. And the only way to do this is to attack my, my aunt, who's Cindy Prescott. What? And, 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 and Charlie's just like, I love you, Jill. What the ever-living fuck is this motivation? I like it. I'm going to say right now, that for me is not a complaint about the movie because it's realistic to how teenagers think these days. Some of them. I'm not going to have kids after this movie because if this is literally how they think that they need to kill people for likes on Facebook... Well, it's the idea of like, and sometimes uh, you see this with like with with shooters too. It's like the idea that you can be famous, but you also you also can be infamous. So you want to be known for something. And she has a line that I think is spot on. She was like, she's like friends. I don't need friends. I need fans. And that's how people think. That's the whole spirit behind social media. So I, Emma and, Roberts and, has fans. Uh, well, yeah, but Jill Prescott does not. Right. I think actually this is movies ahead of its time because I think that even would make more sense if it came out today. This is back in 2011. I think now it would be even more relevant today, unfortunately, because that's where society is heading. Charlie, I don't know what his motivation was. He's the one with the dumb. He's like the Mickey or the, the stew. And by the way, as a side killer, he should know from all the stab movies that things never go well for the side killer. Notice how... When she stabs him in the heart, he goes, you're supposed to get my shoulders. Like, yeah, well, you had to die at some point. He should know this, though. <laughs> he should know she's setting him up. It's just, yeah, of course, he's a, he's a soul, soul killer. Um, they kill Trevor, who's... Which... Check um, out. Checks out. When they kill Trevor, this is, this is crazy. You know how they pull him out the closet, right? He's wearing the exact same clothes... As the dad. As Sidney's dad. They, I don't know how they coordinated that, but that's pretty well, amazing. Well, here's the real question I'm wondering. Is, so, yeah, but um, they do know that Neil survives. He wasn't charged for murder. And also, Billy wasn't shot in the dick. <laughs> that was a very personal death right there. Well, this was a teenage girl saying, hey, yeah, I'm, I, I'm executing my plan, but you did cheat on me. She even said, she was like... I'm not the girl you cheat on. Yeah, so that was... Which, if something tells me that was an improv by Emma Roberts. No. Something tells me no she way. literally has probably told a man that. Oh, my goodness. Before she became famous. And then shot him in the balls? No. Then became <laughs> famous, and he's like, man, I really should not have cheated on her. All things considered, even though I don't feel like I know anything about Trevor, I feel bad for him. I don't. 
got shot in the dick. I didn't give a as, shit about as, the character. As a man, that should make you uncomfortable. Just well, he that. shouldn't have cheated on her. Do not cheat on Emma Roberts. You will get shot in the dick. Now, Jill's plan is almost perfect, except that when she goes to kill Sydney, instead of stab her in the heart, she stabs her in the stomach and leaves Sydney alive. So again, I can un- somewhat understand that to Jill, this is all personal for these last two kills. With Charlie, it was practically a quick death. Yeah, but my point is you have to make sure Sydney's dead. Yeah, that is true. But you, you see Sydney pass out. You got to make sure she's dead. Otherwise, so, your whole plan goes up in flames, yeah, which but, happens. Oh, but think about this way. She, she wanted Sydney to suffer. No idea why. She even says, I don't really care about you. The, 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 <laughs> the theory online is that her plan is so concrete. She had, she, had, uh, she had told Charlie basically to film all the deaths. So Charlie has camera footage of all the deaths, which basically incriminates him. And what they think online is, some people think, and I think it's interesting that she literally had Charlie do all the deaths and that she literally is, the, her only deaths are her killing Charlie and um, Trevor. Trevor and Sydney. So those deaths at the party, those are only deaths. So she can actually like, technically she is innocent. She's not the actual killer. She killed the ones that are coming after her at the end, but she's so planted out that basically all the, the prior deaths would be traced back to Charlie and not her. And there's video footage because Charlie's dumbass filmed every death. Yep. So, and then we get... Uh, Fortunately, Sydney has nine lives, so... Yeah, but now we get Jill kicking her own ass. And I'm, I said it to you once, and I'll say it to everybody. The movie Liar Liar with Jim Carrey did this a hell of a lot better. <laughs> no, I disagree. <laughs> when she runs into the picture... I laughed my ass off. I don't know if they're going for comedy, but it was just hilarious. <laughs> she does a good job of being the shit up herself, but it yeah. has to be a stunt person. I'm sorry. Emma Roberts is too, she, I'm sure even Emma Roberts knows her face is too beautiful to be sitting there doing stuff like that to herself. Well, from her perspective, her plan works. She's on the way to the hospital. She gets to the hospital. Yeah. And as you point out, sir, she's about to shoot herself in the foot. So she's talking to Dewey and she's telling Dewey, Hey, yeah, maybe me and your wife can write a book since we have matching scars. How how would you know about these scars, Jill? Why are you talking to Dewey and trying to form some connection? How would you know about the scars? Yeah, so I'm sure any any sensible person would probably say, well, they maybe released it during the news thing that she was... No, the news thing only says she was stabbed. And Gail, being the reporter that she is, immediately picks picks up on it. And that sends Dewey running down the hallway because she knows now that Jill is probably trying to kill Sydney, which is. Oh, look at that. And there's a fight where I Dewey say, gets beat up with a bedpan. Well, <laughs> this fight, well, first between Jill and Sydney. Jill definitely comes the closest to killing Sydney. Yeah. She beats the living hell out of this woman. Yeah. You know, so you know the. Um, you know I don't the, know if they were going for intensity with this. Do you know the story behind the original ending? No. So. Unfortunately, Kevin Williamson, who wrote the script, he got in a fight with the Weinsteins, and they, they actually brought in the guy who wrote Scream 3, Ethan Kruger. They actually brought him in to rewrite Kevin Williamson's script. Now, they left in most, most of his script, but they changed some things. Like the ending? So the original ending was much more interesting because it was going to set up a whole new trilogy. In the original ending, Joe Jill actually wins. But they leave it on a cliffhanger because 
They don't show have, what happened to Sydney. You have the same thing, right? But as she's going in the ambulance, one report in the background says, oh, we still have one alive here. And then Jill's like, oh, shit, and it ends there. They don't say who's alive. They're just like, oh, we have one. So we, oh, this one's still alive. And you leave it there. But the idea for the next movie was going to be that even though Sydney had survived, she had amnesia. So she didn't remember that last part of the movie. So it was going to have Jill go off to college and basically be doing like a new thing with a new group of people with Kirby, actually, who was still going to be alive also. But from Kirby's perspective, this is why it's brilliant. Kirby would think Charlie's the killer because think about what happened to Kirby. So Kirby would actually be able to confirm, yeah, Charlie stabbed me. So everything would be like perfect for the next movie. They go off to college and then some ghost face stuff, happen- stuff happens there, even though Jill is low key the killer. So it was going to be a whole trilogy, but it was going to end on like a nice thing of just like her being rolled away, thinking she got away and be like, oh, there's still one living. That to me is way more interesting than this don't fuck with the original so cliche typical ending we get. So to be honest with you, because it all it all makes sense then. Be honest with you, I wouldn't have even had that. Literally, that last shot with after Sydney was stabbed and Jill crawled herself over to Sydney, and was I think Jill said this is perfect yeah. before she technically passes out from all the pain she just gave herself. If it cut right there, perfect. Perfect, because then you could have continued the sequel. You know, Jill's yeah, line, you, but then you, you do, get that question. You do the Sydney. You do the same story basically in the second one, but you don't give it away here. It's like okay, it's, we don't know if Sydney's alive or dead, but it's just the idea of the killer wins in this movie. Would for the scream series that would have been way more interesting than the typical Sydney kills the villain and and like that sequel setup where they go off to college and Kirby's just thinking that yeah Charlie was the killer and so really we'd be so the really the second movie we'd really be following Kirby. Because if they decided to keep it a secret if Sydney lived or died, they wouldn't even mention Sydney except for maybe a passing glance. Like, well, but, but if they mention well, Sydney, well, you can bring Sydney back, but you 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 do that thing of like she has amnesia. I wouldn't have even brought her back. I would literally be like, made yeah, the whole second movie follow Kirby. Because you still you and you still have Dewey and Gale, who can still be right. Because apparently there's going to be a new ghost face on campus. Mm. Maybe nothing to do with Jill. But you have that extra thing of like Jill was the killer from the last movie, and now let's say her and Kirby are getting attacked by a new ghost face. It's just an interesting dynamic. And, and you can have Dewey and Gale show up and do whatever, but yeah, that would have been that was the plan for the original trilogy. But once Kevin Williamson had the issues of the wine scenes and this bond at the box office, they, it killed the series. They pivoted to doing the TV show, and now we got the new one. But yeah, but, but the, basically, they, after test screenings or something, they, they basically came back with this whole hospital ending. Which gives us the cliched Dewey, Gale, and Sydney defeat See, defeat the bad guy. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this again because I know I've said it once, and I'm probably gonna say it throughout our entire damn time. Fuck test screenings. Yep. These. Well, why these would you imbeciles? Why would you take the feedback of somebody who happens to be in that crowd, who could have been in a bad mood when they saw the movie? Who knows? And actually change your movie based on that. Why even show it to a test audience? Test audiences has so far ruined almost every movie that could have had a good premise, good ending, good everything. Yeah, you have too many examples of basically, you don't have that many examples of like the test screening actually saved the movie and turned to a good movie. But you have a lot of situations where it's like, you listen to them? Even the, I've seen a lot of actors say basically that the influence of test screenings is way too influential on 
the, the studio being like, okay, let's actually yeah, change the entire movie. Because how much you want to bet the test audience didn't even see Screams 1 through 3 yet. Because remember, Scream 4 really was meant for Scream fans. And let's be honest, the test audience probably watching the movie is like, give us a happy ending. Like, that's fine, but the ending, the original ending sets up a whole new series, yeah. basically. Like, and I, like I said, don't, they need to stop with the test screenings. Test screenings just ruin movies. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. Jill is just, she's just interesting enough to where you could do more with her in the movies. So, so, but anyways, we get the cliched, so, yep. cliched ending. All right. So, categories. Yes, categories. Best performance. Hayden, but Hayden for me. I, I don't know if Hayden's character was written that well, but man, she's the only one in this movie that like, I'm like, man, I want to hang out with her. <laughs> be, honest, be honest, I have to go with Hayden Panettiere also. She had, she had some of the best lines in the movie. She was the most fun to be around, it looked like, and she was the best fleshed out character and that's saying something considering fact jill should have been the best fleshed out character yeah jill disappears too much and kirby you just feel like you know who she is basically yeah and you know like i said she other than she's probably the most popular character in the movie and to me she's just like jennifer from part three where like she adds some new spice to the the cast so. so worst the worst is either the guy who plays Trevor, who I just thought was like a nothing character, and I don't blame him for that, but he left no impression. He had, he had no lines. He had but, no but, scenes. <laughs> but I really thought that um, Rory McCalkin did a terrible job as Charlie. I didn't like Charlie the character. I didn't like the acting performance. And then when he was Ghostface, it just all seemed pathetic. Yeah. I, the thing with the end when he's like, the heart, all that stuff. I'm like, I'm trying to think of you as like this ruthless killer who did all these killings. And you get stabbed and you start crying like a baby, like, you stabbed me in the heart. It, it just, I, I couldn't put that together with a guy who had done that to Olivia. Yeah, because also to be fair, they probably were trying to go more with what happened to Stu. But at the same time, Stu didn't even act like that. But even Stu felt more threatening to me than this guy. And, well, this, that, and, and this guy's supposed to be like, he's, he's supposed to be like the, the muscle hair. Well, <laughs> so, then again, Stu did get a few wallops in on Sydney. Yeah, he just seemed like um, he was so easy manipulated. But I, like I said, I didn't, I didn't like the actual performance even outside of Ghostface. I didn't like Charlie at all. Yeah, I didn't like Charlie or Robbie. I thought that bo- they both were just unlikable jerks. So, so then let's go on to best scene. I don't have my, I don't have a whole lot with this one. Well, I think the Olivia scene is very well done because you have the phone call, you have them in the other room. That gets points for original originality. Like you said, you've never seen the killer call someone else in a different house. So I got to go with the Olivia. I mean, I understand. The Olivia scene is the most shocking, well done, brave thing in the movie. So again, for, for me, I just can't think of a damn scene. <sighs> you liked the Olivia scene. You said it earlier. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fun and all, but. The garage scene. Good setup. I'm going to say Olivia scene. Okay. Just, well, just for just, how was the garage scene? No, it was a decent setup as far as how. I don't know. You were talking nice about it earlier. So <laughs> I'm trying to give you suggestions. I already gave mine. So. All right. So worst scene. I got a lot to choose from. The worst scene <laughs> is probably. The hospital. 
No, 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 no. I'm going with the whole hospital. I'm going with any scene that had Dewey and Gale bickering over the relationship. The, the, the scene at the, co- the cop station early on where you have Dewey, Gale, and Judy Hicks. Mm. Just, I didn't like their dynamic at all. So, I'm just going... The reason I say the hospital is because now after hearing the original ending... It frustrates you. It does. It yeah. really does. Because even though I didn't care for this movie, and I'm sure... and I'm, I know I'm not in my final thoughts, but fuck it. People know I don't. It still would have added that intrigue to me going to see Scream 5. Now, I don't really care. I really don't. Scream 5, I'll say this. They... The, apparently the the new writer directors they have are really like high quality um, writers directors. Yeah, the, I don't know. Did, did you ever see the movie called Ready or Not? No, I've not. I've mean, I've heard of it. I've not, but it has like a huge buzz. It's a great movie, and these these are the people that did that. Mm. So apparently, it's it's supposed to be good from what they're saying. Like, yeah, let's let's not get our hopes up. Nope, I'm gonna keep expectations low. Because remember. I'm pretty sure Halloween 2018 also had a pretty good <laughs> set of writers, and that movie bombed at me. Oh, God. We're going to get into that next week. So Okay. So, um, what was it? Something to explore more. The aunt. The aunt. <laughs> where yeah. where the hell? Have a scene where Sydney's like, hey, where the hell were you during part one? Let me just say that. It'd be very meta. Right. Okay. So, uh, what would you want to change? Probably Charlie as the killer. Let's keep. I'm fine with keeping Jill because, as you mentioned, she's a mastermind. She probably didn't kill a damn person. I would probably have Trevor as the killer. He looks like he'd be more muscle. I'd have Trevor as the killer, or she's gonna use the whole cheating on her thing as the manipulation to get him to do what she wanted. Or just go really like insane out of nowhere and just have like one of the cops, not not Anthony Anderson, but have the other one be like the other killer. Or Judy Hicks as the uh, as the other killer. They made her suspicious throughout, but right. I, I didn't. I never saw it. She she could have put up a good fight against a few people. Maybe. But you would have. To, but you're saying have two female colors? That'd have been interesting. Yeah, I would have. And then of course Judy dies by getting stabbed in the heart. But <laughs> that's besides the point. That's the heart, not how we practiced. Try my lemon cakes. Um, Something tells me Judy would have kicked Jill's ass though. I got a feeling that she kills her and says. I never liked your damn lemon squares anyways. They taste like ass. Next time, make brownies in hell. Um, all right. Remember, brownie, hell has cookies. Well, then I want to go where there's brownies. That would be purgatory, sir. Oh, damn. You well, gotta, you gotta shouldn't, ju- heaven, shouldn't heaven have some good food, though? Come on. Uh, heaven has fried chicken. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> I'm down. All right. What's the next category? <laughs> that was the last category. Oh, yeah. Our ranking says uh, it's such a short... I don't know. This one's pretty long. No, this is long as fuck. We need to end immediately. Let's go to our final thoughts. Forget. Final thoughts. Well, for me, most of my final thoughts are throughout the entire movie. So I'm just going to jump to the stars and say one and a half. I'm going to go two stars. I you think always it's got to one up me, don't you? Bud? No, but I gave Scream 3 two stars. No, 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 wait. I gave it one and a half stars, right? I think you gave it one and a half. And I, I, gave, gave, I gave Scream 3 one and a half stars, and I think this is a little bit better than Scream 3. It is definitely better than Scream 3. And I feel like there is enough where I could probably watch this movie again. There's some rewatchability. And uh, I didn't hate it. I think it's not a good movie, but I think it's not horrible either. So I'm going to go two stars. I think, to give a quick rank, and I'll just say it right now, and then maybe you could say yours. For me, it's one, two, four, three, which is probably... The most predictable way to go, but yeah, sadly that's exactly mine as well. One, two, four, three. And 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 by the way, I'm not that high on the sequels and period. So if 
So Scream 5, there's room. You can jump to number 2. Like, Scream 2 is not on some kind of pedestal for me. If you just make a good sequel, you could probably overtake Scream 2 and move up there for me. Yeah. The only one that's a classic for me is the first one, so. Yeah, but... Anyway, everyone, this is getting a little late. We are sorry. You have a good night. Um, All right, folks. Thanks for joining us for the Scream Retrospective. Next week, we have Halloween 2018, followed the week after by Halloween Kills. Remember to go to our YouTube channel. Let's watch a B-movie. Subscribe there. Give us feedback. I appreciate you guys. You don't got to go home, but you got to get out of Woodsboro. Definitely get out of Woodsboro, or you're going to find out that your death is going to add to somebody's fan base. And if you're going to go to Woodsboro, at least write a book first, make some money, then go there and die. So Yeah, sounds good. All right. Leave something for your family. Leave them some lemon squares. Because it tastes like ass. If Judy Hicks made them. <laughs> <laughs>